Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. I hope you're doing well. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today, and I'm sure it's going to be a great episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. And hey, just as a reminder, if you enjoy what you're hearing, if you like what you heard, feel free to share this with your friends and family, and make sure you send me a message. Let me know what you thought. Make sure you you let me know if there's something I could have done better or something you'd like to hear me talk about. If something stuck out and you really appreciated it, let me know that as well. You can find me on Facebook, Kevin Blaney. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm all over the place, but hey, reach out to me. Send me a text. Give me a phone call. I'd love to hear from you. Guys, let's get on with the show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. So I've been on a little bit of a, I guess you could say, like a self-discovery kick here lately. Been doing a lot of uh, podcast watching, a lot of listening to different podcasts, self-improvement podcasts, uh, things with finance, things with diet, things of fitness, all sorts of different things. But I, I needed to take a little break and I started going back over my podcast and looking over things and just seeing what, what kind of piqued my interest at different points of time. And one of the things that I'd gotten back into were some of the commentaries by Paul Harvey. And I say that because to give you a little bit of a background into when I grew up, I remember going to my aunt's house, my my aunt and uncle's house, and while my parents would be away, I would stay with my aunt and and uncle um, at their home uh, for the weekend. And those weekends were great. I I spent a lot of time outdoors uh, riding the bicycle and, and playing in the woods, things of that sort. And I also remember waking up in the morning, having cinnamon toast, which was awesome. And I had regular grapefruit juice, not ruby red grapefruit, the regular yellow grapefruit juice. Um, And I would have those two things, which, you know, most people would, you know, just drive them crazy having something that's sweetened and something that's sour. Excuse me. But I would have those two things and I would sit in the kitchen with my uncle who was always drinking, uh, he would have his coffee, and he would be listening to Paul Harvey. And, you know, there are so many things that I didn't really realize back then. I was a, a little child, you know, you really have no attention span at that point. But now I look back and I look upon those things fondly, upon those times I, I look at them fondly and think about, you know, um, how simple things were back then. You know, now I look back and say, wow, things were great then. And I'm sure those, uh, my aunt and my uncle at that time would look back, you know, many years in the past and say, well, things were great back then. And I think that's kind of the human condition to always think that things were better back in the day than they are today. And, and I think there is a bit of truth to that. I think we need to remember that, um, that although things do tend to get better for some people health wise, Uh, knowledge, things of that sort do improve with time, it seems. There are some things that seem to go down in time. I think morality has taken a hit. I think uh, conviction has taken a hit. I don't think people are as passionate about things today as as they used to be um, in certain aspects. And, And my proof of that will be with this commentary with Paul Harvey. So what this is about this is an article on CNS News, 
And the title of this commentary is Paul Harvey, Declaration of Independence, Signers Learned That Liberty Is So Much More Important Than Security. Now, the reason I wanted to speak about this today is um, it's more than just, it's twofold, I guess. It's more than just uh, a myopic view. There's, there's a couple things here at play. And let me go ahead and read this first, and then we'll talk about it. So this article is written by Penny Starr with two R's. And this was written back, or, you know, at least uh, published on July the 3rd of 2013. It says, in a commentary written on July the 4th, 1974, by radio personality Paul Harvey, the high price paid by the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, even death for some, was explained as a lesson in the cost of liberty. Uh, if you give me one second, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to move this, what I'm reading, over to this other page. That way I can be a little bit more head-on with my uh, microphone. Sorry about that. Let's, uh, let's keep going here. It says they had learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, Harvey Wright. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston, sacked and looted, occupied by the enemy, or burned, Harvey Wright. Two of them lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. Quote, I don't know what impression you had of these men who met that hot summer in Philadelphia, but I think it's important this July 4th that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. These were rich men, most of them who enjoyed much ease and luxury in personal living, Harvey Wright. Not hungry men, prosperous men, wealthy landowners. Not hungry men, prosperous men, wealthy landowners, substantially secure in their prosperity. But they considered liberty. This is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, Harvey wrote. And they, they fulfilled their pledge, they paid the price, and freedom was born. Harvey detailed the sacrifices of those men who signed the document on July 4, 1776, declaring their independence from the British and establishing foundation for a nation where each citizen is endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Signer Carter Braxton of Virginia lost his property and fortune and, quote, died in rags, unquote. Thomas McKean of Delaware was, quote, so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his, families, his family five times in five months, unquote. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. 
He died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance, this is a quote, and with the, <laughs> let me start over, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, I think that's interesting, divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. The line above the 56 signatures read. So you look at what these people were willing to do. And you know, the sad thing is we have this bit of revisionist history today. We have people out there who really demonize these, these forefathers that our country was so blessed and fortunate to have. And I can't help but wonder how much of this country's founding was because of the fact that God blessed that or gave some sort of divine providence, as they mention. You know, I've spoken to a lot of Christians over the years about, you know, how we're supposed to follow the law and how we're supposed to do the right thing. But it, it, it just seems interesting to me. And maybe it's a huge coincidence, but it seems very interesting to me that this country was allowed to to happen, was allowed to become a nation. It just seems very convenient that all of these things would work out the way that they did. I'm not saying that these men, you know, uh, had it easy. Far from it. This, this here just tells you how rough they had it. But the fact of the matter was they saw and they believed that this country was worth dying for. When they said their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, you know, they, they put their lives first in that, saying that they were laying down their lives first. Their fortune and their honor were secondary and third. They were willing to die first and foremost for the nation, second their fortunes, third their honor. They cared so much about this nation that they were willing to die for it. We have some wonderful, amazing, outstanding people who have served in our military. And I might disagree with their politics. We have some people who uh, I just wonder how they made it through the services and, and, and believe things the way they do politically. But I will never take away from them the honor and the sacrifice that they gave just signing their name on the dotted line for their country. I will never take that away. They deserve to be honored for that. They deserve to be thanked for their uh, sacrifice and for their dedication, for their willingness to lay down that life for us and for our freedoms. And I've said it before, it, it really is upsetting that we have people out there who are so willing to give away the nation that we have. You know, I've said this before, this nation and all nations, all countries of this world are in a race. I've said it many times, I'm not a racer, but I understand and the Bible speaks about this too. You know, that we're supposed to throw off the things that hinder us and to run the race that is in front of us. That's how it is with a country. That's how it is with a business. Let's take any business you want to take. It doesn't matter what it is. We could say it's Chipotle. If you have a business, you have to be growing and building and improving and making a better product and a better, uh, you know, a better percentage of profit. You have to get your costs down. You have to constantly be improving because if you don't, you're going to get overtaken by the companies that are improving. This country and our economy is the same way. I've spoken about this virus 
and I hate to beat a dead horse here because I think you guys know exactly where I stand in regard to this virus. But I don't know that everybody understands where I stand in regard to our economy. And when I say our economy, people will say, well, Kevin, it's, it doesn't matter. It, yes, it absolutely matters. We have people who complain about how much we spend on our military. And we have people who say, well, if we look at Switzerland or we look at Denmark or these other places, well, they don't spend anything on, on defense. They spend very little. Well, yes, when you have the United States out there trying to police the world, and I'm not saying that's our job, and I'm not even saying that's what we should be doing. I think far too often we make more enemies than we, you know, than we, uh, than we destroy, than we get rid of. I think sometimes in that case we are our own worst enemy. However, I think that over the course of the history of this world, there has never been a nation that has done more good. And we can say that that is God working through us. We can say that that's because we have good people in this country. We could say because we are blessed beyond measure. We have so many um, things here that, that we can take advantage of, so many resources, so many funds, so many opportunities that we have to help others. I'm not trying to take... Uh, take the, the honor away from God. I think God has given us those opportunities to do wonderful things. And I think it is our goal and our duty and our responsibility to do those things when the opportunity arises. However, what I, what I wonder here is, is why some people don't understand the, the repercussions that come from these actions, the uh, consequences that come about. You know, we've had people, and I'm convinced that these people, the ones who want to shut things down, we've had people say, well, it's we're going to have to shut back down again because people won't wear, wear their mask. Well, if you honestly say that, you don't know how these viruses work. And honestly, very, very few people know how these viruses work, especially this virus, because this is not a natural virus. We are dealing with something here as... Rand Paul said, this is something that was a gain of function um, virus. This is not something that humans have ever seen. They call it the novel uh, virus because it's never been seen before. It's never been experienced. This is something that we are finding out now. We've, we've thought about this for a while, and we thought we knew this for a while. And people blamed Trump for claiming this, but it's he's turning out to be true once again that this virus was created. It was made as a weapon. It was weaponized. And that is something that's going to be very difficult to eradicate. There's a, <laughs> a large chance that this is never going away. You look at influenza, it's here every year. You look at the common cold, it's here every year. And, you know, it seems interesting to me that, that these viruses and things we talk about flu season, well, we get to the point in the year where maybe vitamin D isn't as strong because we're not spending time outside. We get to that point in the year where it's a little colder, our immune systems are a little weak, and we get sick. These viruses are around all the time, but it's a matter of when our immune system is weak enough to where it can affect us the most and cause issues. We have people who say, well, you just need to wear the mask, and you just need to have this card that says that you're vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, then you can't go here. You can't do this. You can't do that. I'm not going to bring up the whole Mark of the Beast deal because that's what people would try and say. However, I will say this about that. It's very interesting to me 
that it speaks about, well, you would have this mark and, and you would be allowed to do things, but without the mark, you wouldn't be allowed to do these things. I'm not equating the two, but what I am saying is in this case, we do have people saying, unless you have this card, and this is what Fairmont State is doing. I'm not going to let this up. Fairmont State is literally saying, unless you have shared your card with us, which it's none of their business, whether I have a vaccination card or not, it's none of their business, whether I've gotten a shot or not, but they want you to upload your card to their website. And if you are not willing to do that, then they are requiring you to wear a mask at all times, essentially. Uh, they can say that's not the case, but that's what they want. Now, you know, if we look over the course of history, we look at how kids are treated in school. If a kid has a name, you know, that's that's a little different, a little funny, they'll they'll make fun of that kid all the time. If that kid's parents are poor and they don't have enough money to give him clothing that is more uh, akin to what's, you know, popular in this date and time, kids are going to make fun of that child for wearing clothes that are out of date or that are ragged or torn or damaged or whatever. It's the same thing with this virus. We have people that are so, uh, they're, they're so self-righteous. They're so, um, they're so, I'm trying to think of the word and it's not coming to, to my mind. I guess they're so, um, dead set on believing that they're in the right, that everybody else is wrong, that they're willing to tell you and I and everyone else that, hey, you need to stay home. You just need to stay home and, and, and just, you know, wait until this is over and the rest of us adults will wear our mask. Well, no, that's not how this country works. It's not how this country has ever worked. And that's, that's not the, the goal here. If you look at our founding, if you look at what these gentlemen were doing, and, and, and I do use gentlemen in every um, meaning of the word, these were men who were extremely humble. These are people who are willing to lay down their life, their, their livelihood, all for what they believed. And what they believed was to have their own opportunity to make their own decisions, to have their own life, to not have somebody ruling over them. It's what we're dealing with now, folks. We have people who say, well, just wear the mask. You know, you're, you're bothering people. We talk about this in the church. We talk about this in the Lord's church. We say, well, that person over there believes that this is a sin. And even though you and I know it's not a sin, uh, to them it is. So we need to do, you know, we, we just need to just, just suck it up and, and just do it. Uh, and I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I understand you don't want a new... Uh, a new brother in Christ to, you know, to feel pressured or to feel like you're sitting or, or to feel wrong. You're, you're trying to, uh, to bring them into the fold. But we're not talking about the gospel here. We're talking about a country. And if we listen to what the left has said over the last few years, we even listen all the way back to when Obama said, what we were, we are no longer a Christian nation. Now, I still believe that there are a lot of people who identify themselves as Christians. I think we have more Christians in this nation than many people would believe, at least, you know, those people who self-identify as that. But let's just take his word for what it is. Let's just take him at his word. I, I, I can't do anything other than that. If we are no longer a Christian nation, 
where do our morals come from? Where do our values come from? Where does the, the idea of right and wrong come from? Because if there's no basis, if there is no good, if there's no absolute good, then how do we base our life off anything? You know, if you're building a house and you say, well, these walls are supposed to be 13 foot long by eight foot tall by, you know, 12 inches thick. Well, those are numbers that you and I know what those numbers mean. We have a standard ruler. We can take a ruler or a yardstick or whatever you want to take, and we can lay out the foundation and the, the walls of that house to an exacting standard. But if you have no measuring stick, if you have no yardstick, if you have no uh, measuring tape, then you have nothing with which to base those measurements. You, it's just a baseless thought. You know, you, you can tell people what it is, but if they don't know, then they can't follow you. Example, we talk in the Bible about the, the ark, and it's, it's made by this many cubits and this cubits. It was, I forget what it was. It was 300 cubits and uh, 50 cubits by 10 cubits or whatever. Um, you know, you look at those things. People would say, what's a cubit? Well, I think it was supposed to be from your fingertip to your elbow, but, but you know, it's, it's a rough measurement. But if you've never heard the term cubit before, how are you supposed to make this arc to these exacting standards? It's the same in this country. If you don't understand, and I know this seems like I'm reaching or I'm, I'm kind of beating around the bush here or, or my mind's kind of wondering, but it's not. I'm, I'm going somewhere here. If you don't know the history of this nation, if you don't know what men were willing to give up, if you don't know what they are willing to risk to give us this nation, to live, to fight, and to die for the ideas that this nation was based on and founded upon, if you don't understand what they are willing to do and why our soldiers are willing to fight and to die for this country, then you'll never understand my point of view and the point of view of other patriots, in my mind, who are tired of these edicts and these mandates and these quote-unquote recommendations from the CDC. You know, I don't want to get into a thing about the whole one world order because I don't want people to think that I'm a conspiracy theorist. Um, however, we are allowing other countries and other entities to take more and more and more of a role in our decision-making here at home. Barack Obama worked for me. Joe Biden is supposed to work for me. Same for Trump, same for the Kennedys. All of these people were elected, rightly or wrongly, uh, or falsely as I believe, these people were elected. Now, they were elected to work for me. They were not elected to rule over me. We did not elect a king ever. We have never elected a king in this nation. And for those people who say, well, he's your boss. No, the president is not my boss. He is supposed to work for the people. He is supposed to be making our lives better. Not just my life, not just yours, not just for Republicans and not just for Democrats. They are supposed to be there for everybody. And they never are, frankly. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, we as a nation need to step back and look into what our founding fathers were willing to do, what they were willing to give up, the fact that they are willing to live good lives, they are willing to leave, I'm sorry, good lives behind 
to go to Philadelphia to fight and to sign their names to this document so that we might have something that we could work with, so that we may have some form of standard to on which to build a country. Until we start remembering where this country came from, what ideals this country was founded on, then we are just, it's like we're on a ship that's out to sea with no rudder, no direction. We're just floating along and we're going to capsize. We're going to get hit by a wave. We're not going to see it coming and it's going to knock us over and that's it. There's no one to save us. This country is the last beacon of hope in this world. God is our ultimate hope. But my point is, if we're going to be that nation that Obama was talking about, that we're no longer a Christian nation, then let's talk about it in a secular form. This country is the greatest country the world has seen to date. And if this country fails, who is going to save us? Is Switzerland going to build up an army and come save us and, and reinstall our, our way of, of uh, self-governance? No, it's not going to happen. Now, we'll go over to another country and we'll fight. We'll, we'll allow our bravest men and women to, to lose their life so that we can protect these other countries. And then we'll give the country back to them. You know, we do that all the time, but nobody's going to do that for us. Do you think if China went to war with us and they won the war that they would say, you know what? Okay, now that it's all over, we're going to set these uh, things in place and you guys are back to, you know, to running your country again. That would never happen. And we're naive, and frankly, we're stupid for doing that on our own. But that's what this country does. We, we don't try to build empires. We don't try to go out and take over the rest of the world. But, you know, it's, like I said, it's just upsetting when I hear people say, well, you know, just wear the mask. You don't care about other people. I do. What you don't understand is I care about people more than you do. What you care about is feeling good about yourself. What I care about is the, the long-term health, dignity, morality of this nation, the longevity of this nation. What I care about is that we remember what we are founded upon and that we remember that we're supposed to be putting God first in what we do. I don't, we're not supposed to put our faith in man. We're supposed to put our faith in God. And frankly, those people want to talk about the science the science shows that if you have had this virus, you are much less likely to, uh, you know, to be reinfected by it. Your immune system is is an amazing thing. You know, God did not. I, I kind of <laughs> this. I hope this doesn't sound um, uh, sacrilegious of any way in any way, shape, or form. But when I think of of how God built us, I feel like the the old. Uh, grandfather in the movie, the uh, uh, Jurassic Park, you know, spared no expense. When he created us, he created us in his image. He gave us an immune system that is phenomenal. You look at the diseases and the bacteria and the things that we surround ourselves with each and every day, and yet we can go for years without getting sick at all. And when we have these people who are so quick to say, you know what, I'm scared, this virus is scary, and I just want to get this vaccine and just put it in my arm. Do you know what's in it? No, I really don't. Do you know how it works? No, I don't, I don't really know. But, but the experts tell me it's safe, and the people on TV tell me it's safe, and, and they say, if I don't do it, then I'm killing people. No, you're not. Let me give you some, some statistics just very quickly because I'm, I'm just about out of time. I have about two minutes left. I want to tell you, this, this is where we are. 
If you are over 85 years old, your chance of survival from this vac- from this uh, COVID is 98.2499%. Now, remember, 78 is the average lifespan in the United States. But if you're over 75, you still have about a, oh, we'll say, a, you know, a 98.25. We'll just round it up. About a 98 and a quarter chance of living. That's pretty good odds. If you're 65 to 85, your chance of survival is 99.6297, 99.63. If you're 45 to 64, your chance of survival is 99.9294, so 93, so 99.93. You go back to 15 and to 44, so younger people, 99.9931. Zero to 14, and here we go. Who are they wanting to wear masks? Kids going back to school. Do you know what their survival rate is? It's zero to 14 survival rate is 99.9998%. That is statistically speaking, essentially 100% survivability. We have lost a total, I think, of about, we'll just round it up and say about 400 children over the course of this whole situation. And that is less Whenever you look at the statistics, when you look at the information, the data, you have a better chance, you know, under 14, 14 below, you have a better chance of dying from cancer, vehicle accidents, suicide, homicide, cardiovac, more kids below 14 are killing themselves. And I hate to say that. I don't want to advertise that ever. But more kids are killing themselves, being victims of homicide, cardiovascular disease, drowning, or fluent or pneumonia. Or, and or are just as likely to die of suffocation as they are from COVID. COVID is 0.2% out of 100,000 people. Guys, we have to remember, uh, these people who are telling us how we are supposed to think and how we're supposed to feel, these people have an agenda. They're not out for your uh, well-being. They don't care about you. What these news stations care about is ratings. And as long as they can drum up the, you know, the fear factor for these things, then they can get you to, to tune in every night and to watch without fail. Guys, my time is up. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you got something out of this. Give me a, you know, give me a shout out. Let me know what you thought. And I'd love to hear from you. You all take care. Thanks again, guys.